0: Today's episode of the Sidious Mac Podcast on the Sidious Mac Podcast Network is brought to you and you and you, because I assume you listen to this with all your friends in the car, brought to you by Patreon. We're loving the support that we're getting from members of the Sidious Mac community, whether you're a listener, a reader, or someone who just follows us on Twitter, probably not because you're listening to this podcast. We are super thankful for all your contributions to keep the site going. We've got some cool things planned, and we're just finishing up our summer break I've continued bringing you guys the podcast because I love doing this. So soon we've got the return of the Wood Report, our famous and popular cross-country rankings from last year. Stephen Kirsch and Ryan Sterner are going to be returning to the blog pretty soon. Myself and Scott will also bring you the Lane 9 column every Monday where we recap all the top action in track and field and road racing. We're always looking to bring on some more contributors, and with your support, it can happen. If you like what we do, send us any dollar amount at patreon.com slash SidiousMag, and your help will feed the bloggers and keep this show going. We're having fun, we're glad you're enjoying it, and we want to keep making cool stuff. Patreon.com slash SidiousMag. Hit it up right now. My guest for today's show is a former All-American at Dartmouth University. She finished third in the NCAA Championships in the 1500 meters in 2016. It is Dana Giordano, who has a pretty inspiring story to share about a five-pound tumor that was discovered in her when she was 14 years old and how she's now using that as motivation and sharing her personal story to fundraise $10,000 for Boston Children's Hospital. I'll let her share her story, but most importantly, I want to encourage any City's Mag listeners to donate to the cause. You can find the link to that in the show notes. So uh, let's do some good, Sitwits, and uh, let's start the show. But Dana, welcome to the show. Thank you. You actually have been on the podcast before. You've done the preview a- episode before the Boston Marathon, so uh, to a lot of people, I guess your voice shouldn't be uh, too much of a stranger. But
1: yeah, uh, let's all not go back and listen to that one.
0: <laughs> you, you still have the most freezing cold take, which was that Desi wasn't going to do well, and then she ended up winning the entire Boston Marathon. But that's okay.
1: <laughs> you know what? Go figure go home.
0: <laughs> um, So you had a whole like long summer of racing and throwing down PRs after PRs. Um, what did you get down to for the fifteen hundred?
1: I think it was 4086. Um, But it ended on a PR in the three k in London.
0: Yeah, and you got you managed to make the fifteen hundred meter final at USA's. So what has this whole summer been like in terms of just how would you sum it up so far?
1: It's been pretty awesome, honestly. I like many of your listeners always kind of like looked at the people racing in Europe over the summer and been kind of admiring from afar of, wow, that looks really cool. And I listen to your podcast, Chris, a lot, obviously. And there's a lot of runners who talk about how they like, this has been their dream forever. And they always knew that they wanted to run. And I am definitely not one of those people. Like I didn't grow up in a running family, no one from my, until high school, like I didn't know what track was. And we always joke at Dartmouth, like, we didn't know what USAs was. (laughs) So this whole being involved in kind of USAs and fully immersed in the community this season has been pretty incredible.
0: Right. So for people who might not be as familiar with your name, I mean, it should stick out, I guess, from some results from, you know, Heps and the NCAA scene when you ran at Dartmouth. But then from there, it was like you took a little bit of a running break And then this season has been kind of a a full season for you. Uh, Like how much did that break help you?
1: Yeah, I like to say that I am um, a master of bad timing. So I've been the first one out of a couple key big meets. Um, Started all the way back when I didn't get invited to Brooks PR and had the fastest two-mile time in the country in high school. I was a nice, cool 17th for an indoor 3K my senior year, and I was the first one out of the Olympic trials in the 1500s. So wow, I've had a lot of close – I've been there a lot, but I've never contended in these larger meets. So by the time I got to the end of my senior year at Dartmouth, I had been to every national meet from my sophomore fall except for my senior winter. So it was – I was always there, but it was never – Never really competing for the title. Um, Had a nice, beautiful cloud of Abby D'Agostino's name over me as well. So I was her nice, I was her little shadow following her around. So uh, definitely some big shoes to fill there. But uh, at Dartmouth, you take classes in 10-week terms. So you take midterms three weeks in. And I ended up taking essentially every single one of my finals at Dartmouth in a hotel room because of NCAAs. They, They conveniently line up. (laughs) Um, So let's just say I was a little bit tired by the end I got to start, at the end of my collegiate career. And I decided to do my senior year something a little different, kind of a three-season taper, nice cross-country, 3K and 15 in outdoors. And I think I dropped six seconds in the 1500 in my senior year. So I ended up running 411 in the 1500 and coming in third in the NCAA. Um, but at that point, I was like, I had a trip booked to Asia. I flew from uh NCAAs, skipped the f- the awards, got on a plane, took a red eye back, made my graduation, left graduation the next day, flew to Thailand for a month. With my friends,
0: <laughs> what did you do in
1: Thailand? Uh, ate good pad Thai and played with some elephants. I was not expecting to like run the <laughs> Olympic trials. Like before. Regionals, my best fifteen hundred time was for fifteen. You know, like those things were never in the radar for me, and I was hanging my hat on. Like, you did a good job, Dana. You had a great college career, and I needed a break.
0: So when I think I asked you in like the Q and A that we did, it was like, "Oh, has like this season been a surprise?" No, you said no. I think twenty sixteen. I think is the surprise.
1: Yeah, 26 meaning my senior year. Yeah yeah that was definitely a kind of a breakout uh season of independence of I can do this on my own. I don't need Abby um mentoring me to be here and now my um my little mentee Helen Schlachtenhofen, is better than me, so we had a good thing going. Helen and I. we kind of crushed a lot of workouts alone together, and um in Heps, it's really not about running fast, it's about doing everything for your team so I wouldn't sacrifice that but it definitely didn't give me this edge and mentality of wanting to be at the next level and so for all of the year after I graduated I decided I wasn't going to say no to anything because of running and that sounds kind of odd but through reflecting through this piece that I wrote and the fundraising I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit I think it's really because I've always thought I wanted to be like well-rounded for some, like really wanted to like not to do everything and not have I guess FOMO is the word but like really embrace like life and living so that's what I did last year and I missed running the whole year like I missed competing so I kind of half-assed it for a while somehow eked out a mile PR oh are we allowed to curse on here Excuse yeah
0: me. it's just it's fine many people have dropped f oh. whatever
1: <laughs> um yeah oops yeah, people in my office have terrible language. It's really not <laughs> off on me. Um, sorry, where was I?
0: You were talking about the year off.
1: Yeah, so I, my parents met skiing. I loved to ski. I did a lot of that. Um, tried partying. I mean, it's fun for a little bit, but, you know, gets old. Not that fun after a while. I think, honestly, I miss competing so much, and I missed – like seeing how far you can take your body just for yourself. So I eked out a PR at Adro, ran really slow the next week at um, down in Nashville and kind of called in. We're like, all right, we're going to try hard now. So put in a lot of work this year, had a little injury setback over Thanksgiving. But yeah, since like January 1, I've been really been grinding until the end of July.
0: So what do you remember, I guess, about that first, Practice or track session that you did in like January that you're just I guess getting back into things. And when did you know you probably could have you could be back on the big stage against some of these elites, or was that just like something that just happened?
1: I think I've I've done workouts with a lot of really talented people. The Boston community is pretty deep as far as having workout partners to jump in with. I obviously trained with Abby D'Agostino. There's a lot of really good guys around here. So, for me, it's not about knowing that I had the talent. It's more about getting the fitness and staying strong and being able to have the time to do the mileage and kind of forgetting about uh, the fact that I don't have all the resources that some other people do. I mean, for some of your listeners, I, like, I still have a full time job. So, um, my team has really been flexible with what I do. So, I would come in late some days for workouts and just dedicating the time to want to become elite so figuring out like all right what do I need to do to become elite this year Mm -hmm. that's really what I put my effort into and I've had so much fun doing it I mean the workouts in the winter are pretty brutal up here in Boston but once you just kind of shed all the layers off and you finally get to like find your the athlete that you are on the inside that you know you have I mean you just had a PR Chris you can tell us all about it
0: It was was fun. I mean, it's yeah, it's just sometimes you have to dig deep. And it's like, some, like, for me, mentally, I always think that races are are much like, practice is so much fun. And it's like, you can crush all these workouts that show that you are in, you know, X shape. But if it doesn't, if it starts to fall apart in the middle of a race, like mentally, that's where I like seem to get out of it. Like it's that for me, it's that third lap of the mile. But when it does, like, I just did PR the mile, so when it does come together, and then afterwards, you have a good workout, it's like, oh, you know, this, like, it's in there, like, it's gonna happen eventually, just take some time, so definitely, I get your point there.
1: Yeah, so you finally find that, like, little ounce of yourself, and then you get really greedy, and you know, there's (laughs) more.
0: Yeah, because now I'm like, oh, my next race, like, I want to cut down nine nine seconds off this, this PR, and it's like, that's ambitious, but I like the workouts are showing it could be possible so i mean that's that greedy is definitely the right word for it
1: yeah so i have some big goals for myself and i think i'm really thankful to that to live in this country and have such deep fields wherever i race so um going over to europe was kind of funny because the first two races i did were against americans and canadians and it's like, do we really need to be going all the way over here if you're not getting into the best meets? For me, it was definitely worth it for the experience. Um, but we have such good meets here that can be set up at the drop of a hat. So I, I feel really lucky to like be living where I am right now and um, in an odd way being jumping into all these different groups workouts and just having everyone be really accepting regardless of what brand you run for, who you train with.
0: You mentioned that full-time job that you have, uh, I guess, like for some listeners, like what does that entail for you? What's What are the day-to-day obligations that you have to put in, in addition to finding time to train?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm in an interesting spot where, I, I mean, I do have a, a classic nine to five, but I do work at Reebok. And um, being someone who runs and a company that's getting back into running in many ways It's been a blessing, the timing of working there. We just, so last year on my year, year off, I'm going to call it, um, we worked in Canton, which is south of Boston, and it's on this massive trail system. So I never ran essentially a single run during the week that wasn't on trails. So that was really nice. (laughs) This year we have a two-story, full-blown-out Olympic-style gym. You know, like there's some serious perks of working where I work. And I, through alumni connections and just kind of reaching out in the industry and knowing that I probably needed to get a job before I graduated, um, I ha- had that job in April of my senior year. So kind of rolled right into it. Um, yeah. Things might have been a little different if I didn't have a job right when I graduated.
0: And so it's like, you kind of are double dipping in the in terms of like, when we see you out at USA, it's like, you're there, you're competing the same time you're wearing like the full Reebok elite kits. It's like, Oh, you know what? The marketing aspect of it. Like I'm a free billboard here.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I got a lot of call outs during the USA final where um, I had a nice uh, 800 meters of glory about a stride and a half ahead of everyone else. But I talked to my coach who my collegiate coach has been helping me out and he said, "All right, what are a couple of things you want to do better than in the prelim?" And I said, "I really hated the way that I started i've never I've always been a really good at starting, and I don't know why it hasn't kind of come together in the 1500 it's so important because you have like you can do six hard strides and it won't impact the rest of your race And I just i don't know got really nervous or something in the prelim with all the fans in Des Moines." <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: Yeah those, yeah those stands were packed
1: <laughs> oh man I know the meet that I the meets in Europe I think that's why people go really for actual yeah. track fans <laughs> but I wanted to go out hard and I did straight to the front, <laughs> straight to the lead um and I, I just thought people would come up with me but there's um I don't know if I can drop a 60 on the last lap yet maybe that's <laughs> in the goal for next year Uh, I don't mind front running at all, but really it's not a great spot to be in by yourself for two laps. But then we would have run so slowly if I dropped back. So I was like, I'm stuck up here.
0: Yeah, but you got the TV time. You got the TV time. And also I think later on, uh, I was out at a bar and I remember seeing – on the TV that they were showing the local news. And then it happened to be that race and you were up in the front. You got like, I think five seconds of, of TV time on the local news.
1: Ooh, it was huge. Cheers to that.
0: <laughs> um, just, can you describe, I guess, what happened? So after 800 meters, you're up in the front, you're getting, you know, this nice air time. But then after that, like th- being someone who is relatively new to competing at this high of a level, When these other elite athletes turned on that extra gear and that that next speed, Mm -hmm. what was that like? I guess being able to see that in real time, especially with someone like Shelby being in that race.
1: Yeah, I think most people that know me know that I'm pretty chatty person. Like I'm not intimidated by a lot of people. Um, but I did get looking down the line, I just kind of chuckled to myself, being like, wow, there's almost half this field is an Olympian. This is pretty comical here. And there's me. And I I mean, I love it. The fact that no one's thinking about you. You can just kind of go in and shake things up. And I think I've kind of harnessed it a little better in road racing this year versus on the track. And on the track, I've just been so hungry to cut my time down. Like that's been the most important thing to me. And one thing that I would want to do is um, just race to race versus I've just been I mean, a goal for myself that I didn't make this year was to make the A standard, um, which honestly I learned doesn't really even matter because it doesn't worlds doesn't open up until later, anyways. Yeah. But like that was my thing, like make the four oh seven. I knew I was fit enough to do so; just needed the right race. Um, but going into, I guess I don't even know what part of the race it was. Whether it was the last lap or, I guess it was going to the bell. Basically, everyone fanned out into like lane four and I was like hold the rail hold the rail like you got this <laughs> you got this and then I remember looking down for a split second and looking up and the race just went and I was like all right go and there was nothing there was absolutely <laughs> nothing I was like you know what this is it and I have anyone who knows me knows that I have the worst pain face uh run ugly is yeah. you know the go-to <laughs> terrible and hi, it's goes was back to high school my lips would turn blue, and I used to spit on my. This is disgusting. I don't know why I'm sharing this. No,
0: just keep it going.
1: But I used to spit on my face in high school. Like I just thought being aggressive was the coolest thing. Like in soccer when I was little, I was the goalie. My dad used to be like, just tackle the ball. Like I thought being aggressive was so cool. Um, obviously, I was like the first daughter, and my dad wanted me to be a tomboy. I later had a brother, but that's how I was raised. <laughs> but she would bring this rag to like wipe my face down because I would go so hard that my lips would turn blue. And it was just, I don't know. That's just how I race. So I was like, knew the face was out. And the face involves like both sets of teeth, like top and bottom full out. And I was like, damn it. I'm going to get last in this race. This is the, Oh shoot. This is the worst. Um, but you know, there was a fall sorry guys happens rubbing is racing
0: yeah
1: last which was great no dfl
0: exactly there you go
1: (laughs) top 10 right there doesn't matter how it happens right
0: (laughs) you put it on the resume that way um and so before for the last episode with courtney Ferrex, we did like an animated short and i think we're gonna have to animate your run ugly face like that's gonna be the end for this episode
1: There are some good ones. I'll have to send you some highlights of, um, they, one of them was from the one I'll picture I'll show you is Heps my senior year. Not, you know, us are really people. We have to talk about Heps at some point during this, right?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Did you really run Heps if you don't talk about
1: it? (laughs) Exactly. But it was the 5k, my senior Heps, my last race, I did the classic 15 5k double and just classic Dana chip on your shoulder was like, I'm going to win, but I'm going to make this as hard as possible for all of you. So I slowed it down to almost (laughs) 17 minute pace. And, um, uh, this girl, Hannah from Columbia was like, nah, man, like I'm fresh. I'm going to make you work for it. So we, I had to kick super hard and I've that face of finishing. Oh man, it is (laughs) wild. Like, how do you know my face could do that? I'm going to have some serious wrinkles when I'm older because of this. (laughs)
0: so after USA you go out to Europe you race a couple times and now I guess where are we right now did you take a little bit of a break like uh, you know that's a long way of me asking how are the legs feeling
1: Uh, legs are feeling good have to say legs needed a little break Um, over Thanksgiving before prior to this big training block I was on a run with um, Morgan Pearson at home in New Jersey and I fell over apparently nothing and got wicked bursitis on my knee and inflated to be like a baseball. So I've been kind of dealing with that. And they go through the year. I was like, I need to just, you know, go back to base 0 it There's been a lot of fun summer miles that I uh, kind of passed up because of it, but really wanted to just reset. And it's the perfect time of year. Uh, one year out of the race that I really want to show up at, which is trials for, the world champs next year. So, mm-hmm. we're, I've just been, you know, doing some nice yogs <laughs> and, you know, testing out other fitness classes, which are horrible and make me <laughs> really sore. So, I'm not going to keep doing those. And again, I go way too hard in them. So, it's not, we have gym classes at work. So, I did this boot camp class and I honestly almost threw up in the middle of the day. So, I'm not going to go back to that.
0: Oh, yeah. I figured because Reebok does the CrossFit, uh, all the CrossFit stuff.
1: Yeah. So this is supposed to be like not CrossFit, but involved in a bike. And I don't know if any of you guys have ever used that, but it involves using your arms. No. Which I'm not very good at using my arms in anything. so.
0: No, same here.
1: <laughs> the arms went lactic.
0: No. See, I've never felt that before.
1: <laughs> well, you haven't raced hard enough yet.
0: No. That's no. when you
1: know you're running a good miles, when the arms go lactic.
0: Hopefully, Sunday, I get that feeling from then.
1: I <laughs> said, so This is gonna be funny. You're going from like an American record, all to the girl telling you her arms are going lactic.
0: <laughs> all right. So, the big race on Sunday, we're a couple of days out, is the Falmouth Road Race, seven miles. So, you're moving up from like 1,500 meters, one mile to seven miles. Uh, but yeah. you're super excited about this. So this this is a race that's, you know, in terms of meaning, it's been building up for 10 years. So um, I'm not going to say uh, too much. So I guess why don't you take us all the way back to 2008 and share your story from there?
1: Yeah. So first of all, I just want to say thank you to anyone that's donated. I mean, Chris has been a gem with sharing the story of a lot with the rest of the Sidious gang but especially people that don't know me because this is a pretty personal story that I shared and it's not a kind of a casual everyday topic. You know, tumors just don't, it's not your most easy thing to talk about, but I think it's important for people to kind of hear about atypical stories. I mean, we all love a good underdog story. We all love the rise to whatever you become, but everyone has a story and I decided that this was a really good time to share mine. So in 2008, I was, you know, your average gangly kid going to high school. I played soccer and ice hockey. Like those were my sports. There was no, the most running we did was in middle school track. I ran 5:55 for the mile huge, (laughs) but we would have to run to the candy store, but then we could walk back. Like that's as much running as I did prior to high school, like running to the candy store and walk back. <laughs> um, but, yeah. You know, a good workout. But the summer before my freshman year of high school, I was pre- pretty pumped that my shorts weren't buttoning because I thought I was gaining weight and I'd always been like a skinny kid. So I was like really excited. I'm like, yes, puberty. It has arrived. We are coming to high school. <laughs> And uh, my whole family went on this cruise for my great-grandmother's 95th birthday, like whole extended family. And we got back from the cruise and I was like, shorts aren't fitting, gained some weight from the cruise, feeling good. And then when I'm standing in the kitchen in my house. So my family goes to Woods Hole every summer in Cape Cod because my grandfather was a scientist at the Marine Biological Laboratory in Woods Hole, not only is it the start of the Falmouth Road Race, it is a scientific town with many scientific institutions, including Woods Hole Oceanographic and the Marine Biological Laboratory. (laughs) So um, we, I was in Woods Hole at the time and in my kitchen, and I was in severe, severe pain. And I was like, something is wrong with me. This is not normal. And we end up driving to the hospital and in any smaller town like the hospitals aren't that great where you are they usually send you to a larger metropolitan area after a couple tests i they don't make you do this anymore but i guess when you get a cat scan they make you drink like the radioactive solution in like a smoothie i think this is only in places that don't have good technology (laughs) but i'm literally sitting there like slurping down this radioactive smoothie and the doctor comes in and is like oh you need to go to Boston now. And I'm like, okay. And I'm 14. So think about your 14 year old self. You're not really the most self aware. Sorry to all the 14 year olds out there, but went up to Boston and, um, ended up seeing going to children's hospital, Boston, which is the number one pediatric hospital in the country across multiple disciplines. So super lucky to be in the area. Um, and found out that I had this huge ovarian teratoma and teratomas are like the grossest thing in the entire world. They like have multiplying cancerous cells and they could be anything. Like it's gross. I'm not going to go into it.
0: Yeah. Cause in your, in your piece, you says like Googling, uh, malignant teratomas. And I was like, wait, should I Google this? And I was like, no, I'm not going to Google this.
1: (laughs) Well, some people have a reaction when they have them. It's Because they can multiply brain cells. Like they can multiply any cell in your body within it. So obviously, we named it Albie for alien baby, (laughs) because that was funny at the time. I don't know. But this kind of conch shell call went out um, to the local community in Woods Hole, because my grandmother passed away from ovarian cancer. And Woods Hole, being the town that it is, has a very high population of scientists and other people from Woods Hole. And I think about five people called this doctor, Mark Glaufer, who ended up doing my surgery. And he was my grandmother's paper boy growing up.
0: <laughs> In addition
1: to being one of the world's leading pediatric gynecologist surgeons, who knew? Yeah. Um, so I honestly blacked out quite everything at the time. I mean, the only thing I really remember is my mom crying a lot and then it being over. I just remember a lot of the recovery Time leading into high school. So, when you're feeling really good about yourself and awkward and gangly going into high school, you have a large scar in your stomach and you can't carry any weight. Um, so, kind of sucked. It was pretty brutal. I mean, I say it a lot more eloquently in my piece, but I really did watch basically the entire 2008 Olympics. So, got highly invested. I watched at my grandmother's house. And because we didn't have a TV in Woods Hole, so we watched all of the Olympics. Michael Phelps was my boy. The race walk, unreal at the time. (laughs) Sean Johnson, Nastia Lukin. These were glory days. And it's kind of funny because, like, they're my age. Like, they're only two years older than me, Sean Johnson, Nastia Lukin. Like, they're so young with their gymnasts.
0: Oh, yeah. Like, they're they're so accomplished. I, like, I interviewed Sean Johnson before. And, like, I just remember being, like, geeking out. Cause it was like, wow, I just remember seeing her on TV and it was like, I had a, like a bit of a crush on her. And then it's like, now it's, it's incredible how successful they were at such a young age. And yeah. now they're just kind of like, they they've been done for a while. They're doing, some of them are doing TV work or all this kind of stuff. And it's like, wow, you, you did everything you needed to. And like, you reached your highest potential in sports at such a young age. And now you're just kind of like chilling.
1: <laughs> yeah. Honestly, it might be the way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> at 14 I was not in that position at all, but pretty cool for those guys.
0: Yeah. So how I, I do you, you you said so much of it is blacked out, but in terms of just like scariness, like when there's so many like tests and like procedures being done and just kind of like you're hearing this and that, like how scary was all of that?
1: I think the the scariest thing I mean throw us back to like I didn't have a Facebook at the time. So there wasn't a lot of ways to communicate with your friends. This is like wild about. Like there wasn't a lot of ways to communicate with your friends and family, but my mom early adopter to Facebook in 2008, she would kind of post and give the updates. And a lot of it was for her to like really feel like she had the support of a larger community. And for me, it was just to show up and like be poked at and stuff like that and be told that it was okay. And that's all you really want is your family to like, it's going to be fine. So for me, it was more about the recovery time being really challenging because I was used to being this like aggressive, uh, active kid. And then going into high school, I couldn't carry a book. So I was just like, all right. I had a separate set of books in every class. And I, um, even though I was allowed to play soccer, I was benched. So all the things that I liked to do, I just couldn't do. So I was, yeah, I was literally would just sit at home alone and like watch YouTube videos and be sad. And Beg my parents to send me to boarding school. (laughs) It's so (laughs) pathetic to think about now, but like, that's really what it was until I tried out for indoor track. And in the winter, all my friends who did soccer started doing track. My high school, uh, I think I said this in the Q and a had Mark Wentmore, Colorado coach was a coach in my high school, but uh, my, the current coach, Dave Shostak, he took over the program in early 2000s kind of, revitalized it so we had a very successful small school program in new jersey we would go race the armory we would drive around everywhere so my days in the hurdle group were one day and then i got put into the distance squad and ran a pretty fast mile and the rest is history
0: yeah so i mean it's just it's so it goes back to that point where you're just like the timing on things is just so rough because it was like all this happened before high school and it's like high school is that time where you are going to go out and make a bunch of new friends and you're going to like, first impressions are always like a, a huge thing. And then it's, you're coming in so, so weak. Like, so I guess at what point did you feel like things were, you were finally getting to be back to your normal self?
1: Yeah, I think I was never really a huge fan of high school. Um, just, you know, who, who really is maybe someone who went to Xavier, who knows? <laughs> but I think I think things started really clicking like that winner when I was a part of something. And I think being a part of a team is so important. And that's what I was looking for in a college was being part of the team. And it just makes you doing something for that's not just about yourself and kind of taking that pressure off of, all right, how do I feel at this exact moment? Like, am I doing better? And just being, just being a person, you know, like you don't want to be the kid with the tumor um, so when I got the next summer, when I heard that I had to have another surgery, I lost it. I was so upset because I was like, no nah, man, this is not happening again. I, and I had already decided at the time that I wanted to fundraise for children's. So when the doctor said that I could run the road race, I was like, let's go. We are doing this. So, I mean, it's always been really important for me to give back, but I think that part of it was setting a goal for myself to like keep improving like don't let don't become that person you were right when you were recover like always try to become better than you were before like always improve
0: we'll get I guess a little bit into the fundraising shortly but I guess like you mentioned I guess having to have like this five pound like tumor <laughs> removed, and how now I guess like you do have a scar that's visible I guess when you're when you're racing like it's it's very interesting because like in in college running it's like no one and none of the women i guess are wearing like the the crop tops or it's just like
1: yeah you got it
0: yeah and then <laughs> you turn into a professional and it's all of a sudden it's like oh everyone's showing off their their crazy abs and it's like so for while you were in college you dis, did did what i guess have a way of covering covering up the scar so did, was that something that you kept sort of private or did teammates know like what was I guess your, your backstory there.
1: Yeah, I guess I have never really thought about that, but, um, (laughs) this is so bad. Part of me, like, uh, as part of the coping process, maybe this is a a personality flaw, but I always kind of like ask people if they've like wondered about it, because sometimes you do now, or if you work on a sports bar or something like that, like you will catch some glances and, people being polite as they are don't say like, Hey, what's that? Like, where'd you get it? You know, maybe if it was like an appendix scar or like a knee scar or something, but being the location that it is on my stomach, there wasn't a lot of like, where'd you get that from? So I kind of took it upon myself to like, try to make it more casual and share with people like in the locker room and stuff like that, just because it is so apparent. Um, I don't, I mean, I guess my teammates and people that we love to, Comment if they knew or not, but I definitely didn't keep it a secret in college because it it had had enough time to really talk about. And I did fundraise um a couple more times in them, but I really have not shared the story as publicly as now. I mean, I think ten years is quite nice capstone, and um it is something on display as well. But yeah, I never really thought about it too yeah. too much. I think. Having like a spunky personality kind of helps. It is, I don't know. It's so awkward.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, it, it makes sense. And then I guess like there was, I guess, in the Q&A that, that we did, I mentioned how Gabe Grenwald has, you know, been very open about, you know, her, you know, having to publicly display, I guess, the scars that she has from her operations and stuff like that. She tweeted about your fundraising right now. So cool. What, what have you taken away from her story?
1: Yeah I think one of the so during the first so when you have any sort of cancer mine was very contained so I didn't have to have a lot of this follow-up that Gabe is going through so I completely understand to a certain extent like just like being in a hospital now like the smells get me like there's all these little things and when I um, had to do my follow-up I grew up in New Jersey and I went to high school in New Jersey I would go to Memorial Sloan Kettering Hospital which is like hardcore research like six sick people go there and I would go in with hair and I would feel so guilty for being healthy and I think being a person and I know a lot of other people in my life with living with cancer is so hard because you want to be that healthy strong person but when you walk into these places they kind of like strip you back down to that shell of a human recovering you are so Um, I don't want to speak for Gabe, but I think running and doing something that makes you feel powerful, really like makes you feel stronger when you walk into a hospital where you're just kind of being poked at the whole time. Yeah. I mean, I have so much respect for Gabe and what she's doing, what she's fundraising through all her events and, um, go girl.
0: Yeah. She's raised a ton of money. You set the goal of 10,000 for 10 years. Uh, I guess like when you set that goal, did you think like it was just something that was going to be really tough to uh, achieve or because we're, I think as of this moment that we're recording, you're I think $1,500 away, which is like incredible. It's like we're so close and hopefully some of the listeners will be able to contribute and I'll include the link to the to the fundraiser within the show notes. So if you just kind of swipe up a little bit, if you're listening on iTunes, you'll be able to see the okay. link. If people don't know how to get to the show notes. That might be a little helpful, but um, yeah, I guess 10,000. It's a big number.
1: It is a big number. So I fundraised six times and mostly kind of started out with the classic, like friends of your grandparents and people that knew you. Um, there's been so many people have joined in the past. So I fundraised, um, about like $24,000 over the past six times that I've done this. So going from around four or 5k to this big jump has been a, I mean, it was an ambitious goal and I honestly didn't leave myself quite a lot of time to fundraise. Like I plan to do an event in there, but so I'm thinking of doing kind of an after thank you event and I always send um, something out after after it's all wrapped up with some pictures from the day. But yeah, 10,000 is... A large number and I knew to achieve that I would have to kind of reach outside of my comfort zone and my typical bubble of people I mean I don't know if anyone's ever fundraised for anything but you don't want to hit up the same people over and over again I mean I think it's pretty rote and unfair I mean they're your family but you know they're not a bank like <laughs> and it's really to me it's like it's been so much cooler this year fundraising than any other year based on the number of people, like it doesn't matter your amount of your donation, but just most of the messages that I've gotten, um, from listeners here or other places that I've shared have been so cool to really learn about people sharing it with their high school teams or going through a similar experience. And honestly, it's all about, um, quantity of people I think is the most amazing thing because maybe it's not children's hospital Boston. Maybe there's this will inspire people to do something similar in that their community as well. So I've always kind of been involved with, um, charities to some extent, but obviously this one's really personal for me. So I understand if you, if anyone donates to their own thing, um, donate to brave, like, was it? Brave like Gabe. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) God. Um, but this the running community is incredible and has really made this just they really the best we can have too. It's been awesome. Yeah.
0: It's a lot of fun how just like everyone rallies around something really good um so my 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 favorite baseball player is Anthony Rizzo, and I guess like he had his own i guess like cancer uh battle when he was much younger, and so i i I love his Instagram because he's constantly going to uh, one of the children's hospitals out in. Uh, Chicago so it's like for you I guess have you gone back a couple times to Boston Children's and like interacted with any of the kids or anything like that
1: so Boston being the way it is and of course it's like competitive to volunteer it's the weirdest thing I find like yeah you have to they only take volunteers on like a year-round cycle but I have a couple dates in the fall where you can cook meals for families who are kind of doing long-term stays um in this housing community they do so i have some of those up on the books but yeah for some reason like they like the bruins players and stuff like that but it's like a competitive volunteering environment yeah who does that
0: <laughs> everyone just wants to help and sometimes it gets way too crowded
1: <laughs> yeah i think they like having the same people so they don't want a lot of turnover of new faces and people just coming in one side it's kind of like um big brother big sister so you just want people to come in for the long-term patience so they have a friendly face mm-hmm.
0: so the race is seven miles like wait, do, is there are you just trying to take in the whole entire experience and like the just the day or is this something where you want to be up there and, <laughs> and competitive with some of these people it's a, i'm sure the deep field there the fields are so deep for on the elites.
1: Yeah, well, I'm going to be honest here. I have just come off a nice two-week break, so I don't know if this is going to be the one. Um, people like to go out in Falmouth. Um, the race is from was originally from a bar to a bar, which is why it's seven miles, and it gets really hot halfway through. So I think the decision is whether to run in the women's field and then be kind of by myself when they all decide to race or run with the mass start. So the women start before like a major marathon um i've enjoyed running with the masses before and usually there's a couple of women who run the mile who are like i'm not going to race this but sometimes people can pick up a nice payday for doing both so we'll see what happens i'm i'll be running in this nice checkered children's hospital singlet and uh, being so close to boston there's a lot of like go children's which is the best part so maybe i will go with the elite field and just kind of like take it all in
0: definitely all right, final three and final four questions, I guess that I ask every guest. But some of these, I guess, might not might not really apply to you as, as much. So it's like, what's the funniest drug testing story that you have? Uh, do you yeah. have one?
1: I, I have one. I've only <laughs> been drug tested once, so okay. you know I'm not on a list yet. Watch out, we're coming. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, well, I think it was. I don't remember was my. I think my junior year, uh, no, honestly can't remember right now, but I think, yeah, it was my junior year. I did really tragically horribly in the 5K. I think I was like second to last at NCAAs in Eugene. And I almost threw up on the finish line, and this woman comes up to me and is like, are you Dana? And I'm like, yes. She's like, you need to come with me. You've been randomly selected for drug testing. I'm like, are you <laughs> kidding me? Like, you could drug test so many other people other than me save the money um but it took me it takes I don't know I think I was really dehydrated maybe that's why I raced so poorly but I drank six water bottles and two Gatorades and still couldn't go (laughs) and I remember I think it was like Laura Wrestler or someone walks in it was just like did you drink all those and I'm like sitting there in pain being like yes I did <laughs> so it took like two hours and um uh, it's pretty miserable. So yeah,
0: yeah. it doesn't sound fun at all.
1: Not that exciting a story, but just letting you know, you can be drug tested if you don't do well. <laughs> well, not just the one who gets drug tested.
0: Yeah. Um meanest thing you've read about yourself on let's run.com. And to be fair, they did include the link to your fundraiser on their front page. So uh that's very nice of them, but the message boards could be a little different. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think, honestly, I don't think I'm there yet, you know? Bring you on, bring on the mean things, you know? the um, John Galt, Dartmouth alum, writes for there, so maybe he edits out the mean things about Dana.
0: <laughs> That's a possibility. Um, okay, and then after that, let's see, it's, oh, if you can go and run anywhere in the world with anyone from history, assuming they could hold a conversational pace with you, where would this run take place and who would it be with?
1: New York city, central park, Dana, Malcolm Gladwell. Let's go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's possible. It's definitely possible. I know he's, he does train with the Brooklyn track club that, that I'm part of. Um, and I have gone on runs in central park with him. The dude crushes. <sighs> uh, he, we start off at like around eight minute pace, and then we just start kind of cutting down, cutting down, cutting down. And then by the time we get to like the ninth mile, we're both going at like six forty five, six thirty. And I'm like, this is this is, <laughs> uh, yeah. He's, I think we're like two. I think it's we're pretty even in terms of like who ended up like finishing stronger. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, he was supposed to run the Brooklyn Mile this Sunday, but. I don't think he's going to be able to. He's dealing with like knee- tendinitis in his knee. Uh, oh, Malcolm. <laughs> but hopefully he gets back in time for 5th uh, Ave. Um, yeah.
1: I'm a goals person. So, you know, if you say it out loud enough, it happens. You, know? Might,
0: you might see him at 5th Ave. He'll, he might be around.
1: Yeah. Malcolm, love to meet you. Big fan.
0: <laughs> I, he might be coming on the podcast pretty soon. Uh, we're working on it. Uh, so that'll be a good one. Um,
1: I will definitely submit a question.
0: Yeah, last question uh, for the show. Doesn't have anything to do with running, and I'm guessing if you've listened to the previous episodes, you kind of know what's coming. You get 25 shots from half court. If you make one, you win $25 million. If you don't make any, you go to jail for 25 years. Would you attempt the shots?
1: Uh, So I one time played basketball, and it was middle school basketball where you got to play during the halftime game. So imagine, like, middle school basketball players who aren't good enough to play middle school basketball, who get to play during halftime for four minutes. I had to make a half court shot in one of those games. Let's just say it didn't go very well. I'm not taking it, you know, not going to take it. I can do hand-eye coordination, like below the waist, but anything in the air is kind of, you know, this all goes back to the arms going lactic. I think legs are feeling good. Arms are feeling lactic. (laughs)
0: that's perfect and we'll end it right there so uh to anyone who is listening uh to the podcast and uh is hoping to try and fundraise for boston children's hospital the link is going to be included included in the show notes it's also available if you go to cityusmag.com and click on dana's story which is which should be one of the top stories on the site six days to go Uh, i'm looking at the fundraising page right now $8,624. The goal is $10,000. Let's make it happen, City Smag listeners. Um, And yeah, Dana, have a great race on Sunday.
1: Thank you. And thank you all for donating. Yeah. And I'll
0: catch you at 5th Ave.
1: Yeah. Thank you.
0: Thanks again to Dana for sharing her story. If you want to read it, and get all the details it is on citysmag.com it is one of the top stories so the link shouldn't be too difficult to find i'll also include the link to that story in the show notes as well but again i want to stress the importance let's do some good let's hit that ten thousand dollar mark and if we hit it let's surpass it let's blow us out of the water let's raise some money for kids battling cancer and uh the good work that boston's children hospital does so that does it for this episode of the city smack podcast i am still working on getting a couple more guests but um if you're in new york city catch me at the brooklyn mile on sunday it should be a nice fun race coming off a of pr right now feeling good the legs are feeling good so uh been focusing on a little bit of my own running so apologies for uh missing out on the last week and a half or so of posting a podcast but i'm back this will be good. The summer is almost over, so all the blog boys will be getting back on their grind. So, uh, again, if you like what we're doing, donate to the site by visiting patreon.com slash And uh, we'll be able to continue to do a lot of really cool things, uh, including a new podcast that I've been kind of brainstorming. And uh, we'll see how that goes. Also, if you haven't already done so, be sure to leave a five-star review on iTunes. It helps the show end up on the iTunes charts. And uh, a lot more people can see it. Let's hit 100. Let's become a top 100 sports podcast. So uh, do that right now as well. Leave a five-star review. I've been your host, Chris Chavez, wishing you some happy and healthy running.